The Elvis Cast with Grant Bench. Thanks for joining me for today's Elvis Cast, and today it's part two of a special interview I did with Mark the Elvis Mixer from the UK. Mark has a fantastic YouTube channel called simply Elvis Mixer, where you can check out some of his fantastic mixes. But in this section, we're going to cover off his feelings about other aspects of Elvis's career and his life in general. And I started by asking Mark when was the first time he heard the name Elvis Presley. Oh, easy. That was my dad. Um, I have so many memories. So many memories. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, yeah, you know, it's like I always remember of a, of a weekend, my, you know, do the washing and my dad would be doing the ironing over Sunday and I'd be sitting on the living room floor just listening to the Elvis 45s. You know, my dad had an old gramophone that he'd put on and he'd have the arm come across and hold up all the singles. So when one finished, the arm went back, come back, dropped another single and then played it. Um, and then he'd flip them over and play the B-sides. Yeah, so, yeah, I got into Elvis very, very early in life. Um, I didn't know really any other music. Dad did play some other stuff, but it was mainly Elvis, and I just got hooked straight away. So was your dad like you know, a I huge really... Elvis fan, was he? Oh, massive, 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 yeah. And it... he was drawn by... <clears throat> My dad was drawn to his voice. Because he's like, what? who is this? <laughs> and then it was like... Yeah, it was kind of weird. You know, Dad, like he said, never heard anything like it before in my life, you know, and, and was intrigued more than anything and then instantly became a fan. And my dad's got all the original pressings, you know, for all the, all the original albums. Lucky boy. <laughs> mm, yes. Now, when you, were, when, you were, when you were growing up, Mark, did you watch the, uh, the actual Elvis movies or did you get to see those? I remember. This is another beautiful memory. Um I remember we had school holidays six weeks off and BBC, or main, namely BBC One, it, i never forget it, Monday to Friday, 11 o'clock, Elvis movie. Um, and we watched every single one of them. And my, yeah, so my dad, Elvis fan as well, so that was it. You, you, it wasn't changing the channel. You, you know, you were, Elvis was on and that was it. Um, but my dad had a reel-to-reel and um, we were obviously we were growing up with Elvis, and so we were learning the songs, you know, every day. Um, so when the movies were on over the summer break, um, my dad got this reel to wheel and 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 um, taped the uh, microphone to the speaker on the TV, and was trying to time when the the uh, music when you know, when Elvis was singing in the movie, so he could record it on the reel to reel. And we was right. We were told like you could, you know, you can say, you can talk when Elvis is talking. Yeah, you, know, you can talk or whatever. But when he's singing, you be quiet. <laughs> so, so, yeah. So, uh, yeah. He, yeah. That was just so funny. Looking back on it now, it's just so funny. Do you have a favorite? But, uh, yeah. Do you have a favorite of the Elvis movies? You know what, Kid Galahad. Kid Galahad is my favorite. Yeah, why would that be? Um, I don't know. I think the music, I just think, I don't know. I think it's like, uh, I don't know. I think the music, the storyline, yeah. I, don't, I, don't, I don't really know. It's just one of those movies that kind of, you know, guy who has nothing and becomes, you know, world champion boxer, you know, world champion boxer, which is quite funny. But 
Because yeah, I think that, I, I, think that movie, I, I think that movie's got a lot of everything in that. It's uh, obviously because mm. everybody knows I'm just a, an obsessed Elvis movie fan. I've watched them, mm. you know, millions of times. And Kid Galahad is is a special one because it's got six incredible songs in it. Elvis gets to mm. act all range of emotions in that in that film. And you know, the mm. scene we actually had it in our welcoming podcast when he's he's you know talking to Gig Young about the boxing. I mean, you really believe what he's saying, and it, and it shows in that the potential that Elvis had as an actor, that I feel sorry for him that he didn't get to expand on that. Well, the um, the final fight is actually against the late the, the world champion at the time, wasn't it? I can't remember the guy's name, but um, he was actually a, a flyweight champion or something or other. So they actually, the actual guy that he fights in the final fight is actually a boxer. Mm. He's actually like full-blown professional. Yeah, he got uh, well trained. I think Mushy Callahan was the the name of the man that uh, trained Elvis. And mm. uh, yeah, one one of the things that we're going to do on the Elvis cast, Mark, is we're going to do a feature on each movie, and uh, you know, talk about oh, wow. uh, talk about things like mm. that. Because you know, obviously, I have a, a huge passion for the uh, for the movie. So we'll be doing that yeah. uh, going along the way. Now, Mark, as you obviously got to parents, the, the Elvis fans, um, how did that fateful day in August nineteen seventy seven go in your household? Wow. I was, I remember it like it was yesterday, and I still see it every now and then. My, I was sitting on the floor in the front room watching TV, and my dad come in the front door and just held up the paper, the Sun, Sun newspaper, the king is dead. I didn't know what to think. I was nine years old, but it, it just, it's like something left. He was like, am I going to hear his voice anymore? It was kind of weird, you know, and being nine years old. Um, yeah, it, it did hit me. Had your dad ever talked me. about um, heading over to the US to try to see him any, at any time? No, no, no. It was just that we were, you know, um, it was expensive. Mm. You know, I mean, let's say we, me and my brother saved up for ages to go to the 10-year-after tour. You know, that was a lot of money to do that. And uh, glad I did it. But, yeah, we've, yeah, we had the odd family holiday and stuff and it was a lot of money to go abroad and stuff like that. So, yeah, I mean, going to the States would have been out of the question. That would have been a lot of money. Well, tell us about uh, that time when you did get to go over. That was obviously 1987, 10 years after. Mm. That would have been massive at the time. Ah. Uh, Mate, it was it was phenomenal. There was the holiday of a lifetime, really. And to think, you know, the amount of people that were there and you had something in common with every single person. It was it was like a whole it was I don't know, it's like you're taking your whole family out on holiday. Yep. Literally every single person in your family. That's what it felt like. Because everybody, you know, know, shook your hand, gave you a hug, or it was was an experience and a half. It really was. Everybody was there for everybody else. It was, let's say, it was, say, like a massive family unit. Absolutely wonderful experience. Um, It did, you know, you go to the Sun Studios, it's like, you know, Elvis stood here, and, and you're like, Okay, and you can't imagine Elvis standing there. 
I know it's been done up and everything out. You know, it was, you know, de- redecorated and stuff like that. You know, you've got to, but it's it's kind of hard to imagine Elvis actually standing there. Yeah, I know. I always stand yeah, out the looking. I stand out the front there, and you just imagine this crown pickup truck, you know, parking out the front, yeah. and 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 he walks in, and he's sitting in that outside, and it just it just sort of blows your mind and they, they point to that it X does. on the floor and it, mm. it, it it's, it's, it's very surreal. It is surreal. They, a part of the tour, we went to Nashville and uh, went to the Grand Old Opry and we all filed, all lined up and we all went on the stage and there was a white cross on the floor. Oh, Elvis stood here. And I actually turned around to the tour guide and I said, why are we here? Because, <laughs> well, Elvis came, Elvis was here. I said, no, hold on. Why are we here? Well, this is, you know, this is the Grand Old Opry. Elvis came here, you know, and I said, yeah, they told him to go back and drive a truck. I said, you guys insulted the king. So why are we here? <laughs> you know, it's like, I couldn't get my head around that. It's like, you know, you can't, you know, to me, what a mistake the Grand Old Opry made. But hey. Well, they, he, he disputed that later in life, of course, but Elvis never forgot it, I don't think. No, no. And I wouldn't have either. I still don't because it's like, to me, it was kind of an insult. So, yeah, again, you know, why are we here? <laughs> he told the king they let go, you know, go back and drive a truck. Is that is that the only time you've been to Memphis and Graceland? Yeah, yes, 1987. Yes, it's the only time since. No. I, I It would be lovely to go back again. It would be lovely to go back again. Whether or not I will be able to, I don't know. Uh, How was it when you walked into the house for the first time? Wow. Um, Yeah, every hair stood up. I I can't describe it. I cannot describe it. It's kind of um, you're in the presence of, well, a king. Yeah, it, it's, it, it's something that, you know, I recommend anybody who hasn't gone. The only way you can really feel what you're talking about is actually, you know, getting there to do it yourself. And I feel a lot for those people who may not get the chance to go there because as much as the commercial side of it is there, especially with the the new Elvis Presley's Memphis on the other side of the road, but what yeah. I do like is that the, the house itself and Graceland, where Elvis would have been, is kept, you know, very respectful, and mm. one of my favourite things to do is to stand in the jungle room and you know let people pass. And if you go later in the day, you can have time for yourself. And it's just those sort of moments when you're standing there. You can just imagine Elvis is going to walk around the corner and say, "Hey, man, can I get you a coke or something?" You know. Mm. Yeah, you just. Uh, I don't know. I think if um, Elvis would have been there and said something, I would have just, I wouldn't have been able to talk. <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't. It's one of, you, you just, you know, time stands still, doesn't it? Because one, one of the eternal oh, questions, wow. you know, people, uh, you know, ask me occasionally is, uh, you know, if you had a chance to meet Elvis, what would you have said to him? And I said, well, you would have had to pick me up off the floor first. Mm. Yeah, you'd have had to prop me up. Um I would, oh, wow, that's a question and a half, isn't it? I'd love to know if, if, yeah, if I ever got the opportunity, 
if you know if that you know if I ever had that type of opportunity, I think um, I'd like him to listen to one of my tracks and ask you know see what he thought. But yeah. then, what track would I? Then the other question is: is what track would I play him? I would, you know what? I'd probably go for one of the mono to stereo remasters. I don't think I would do an extended version like my my, my I got stung me mix or I'm leaving or something like that. Um, yeah, I'd have to do a remaster. I'd have to, yeah, one of the stereo mono to stereos because I think maybe. Yeah, would Elvis like me extending his records? I don't know. Well, that's the thing. A lot of people say, would he approve of, uh, you know, all these live recordings and studio sessions being released? Uh, you know, obviously, I don't know how he'd go with, you know, people knowing everything about what was going on because sometimes there's a bit of fruity language and some mm. of the, the takes, by definition, uh, you know, are, are a bit inferior. Would he be happy for us all to hear them? I'd, I'd like to think that he would because, you know, we're, we're interested in a lot, but Scotty Moore in an interview said that uh, he didn't approve of all these outtakes coming out. But for me, it, it just makes you know and appreciate the man and the mm. music even more. I love it because you can hear what's going on. You know, when you listen to I Got Stung, the first take all the way through to the master, you know, it gives you a breakdown of how they got and their mindset and everything else of how they're changing things. Yeah, and when you're hearing the background, you um, can hear Elvis saying, oh, I want a bit more of this or emphasize that mm. and all that. It, it's just fascinating. So I'd, I'd like to think that he he uh, he would approve of of that being released. Uh, I, it's I'd almost, just like to think so. It's almost like you're telling a story. Mm. It's, ah, yeah, I just love it. I love the studio stuff. Here's another good question for it. you, Mark. What do you think it is about mm. Elvis that uh, keeps him as relevant today as he's ever been? Oh. <laughs> Wow. Um, I mean, you know, when they did, I think probably one that, although I'm not too keen on the record, a little less conversation. And I think what helped the fact that it was sponsored by Nike and it was like um, they had all the football stars in the cage room and everything else playing football. And that really did help a lot. It did bring the younger generation going, who's this? And buy the record. Um, I think that helped a hell of a lot because, and then this, the film as well, you know, people agree or disagree on the film. You know, there are obviously certain elements in the film that have been manipulated a bit. Um, it can never be a hundred percent spot on because at the end of the day, a film is to entertain people. Um, so if you didn't know anything of Elvis, you know, you'd watch the film and thoroughly enjoy it. It is a damn good movie. But when you're an Elvis purist and everything else and you know quite a bit of the background, you go, well, that's wrong, that's wrong. You didn't sing Trouble at Louisiana Hayride because it wasn't really, you know, it wasn't recorded for another two years or another four years. Um, yeah, it's, yeah, I think he's being kept relevant because they're bringing out new stuff. People obviously won't know about the box sets and stuff like that because, you know, they would never have heard of Follow That Dream, you know, FTD or whatever, because it's not really mainstream. But when you've got, you know, when they, what they've done to, with the movie and tried to integrate, integrate, uh, uh, like a new sound, you know, the new sounds and the sounds that everyone's listening to now on the radio, 
um, you want to hear what else has this guy done. So you're always getting someone who will be inquisitive and want to know, I like that track, what's the original like, or, you know what I mean? And then you can, someone will buy the album, even if it's like a greatest hits album. Mm. You know, and then hopefully become a fan. You never know. Well, uh, I think that's what the movie's yeah. done. I mean, I, when, I, when, I, when I went to the screening, I did firstly, uh, you know, say, I've got to tell you, this didn't happen and that didn't happen and this happened. But did it make you appreciate Elvis a little more? And, you know, they, they all said it did. Maybe they said that for me, I don't know. But I, 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 the movie, like you said, is not perfect, um, mm. but it's the best one that we've had, I think. Yeah, definitely. I mean, say the way, that, the way they done it was brilliant, you know, for telling a story. It's good, um, but yeah, and then and then putting in the new sounds, yeah, you know, to keep it relevant has kind of helped, you know, people watching it and buying the movies, even buying the movie soundtracks, and then you know, hopefully going out and buying a, a greatest hit CD to see what other stuff he did. Mm. Well, I hope that's you know, what you, uh, happens. I hope so too. I hope so too, but. You know, I mean, for my, you know, for me, you know, as I say, my dad played Elvis 24-7 if he could. And it's all I really heard growing up. So you you become an instant fan anyway, because you're hearing it all the time. I mean, I heard other stuff as well. I mean, you know, my dad was into different rock and roll, you know, Fats Domino, Buddy Holly, and, and you know, I'd say Nat King Cole and loads of other artists. So I think, you know, I do have... For myself, I do have a love of music. Yeah, my collection, so many different artists here, there, and everywhere. I, you know, even as far as um, hearing uh, Stevie Nicks for the first time, Little Lies, Fleetwood Mac's um, Tango in the Night album. And when I heard her on the radio, I can understand. This is where I can understand where my dad was coming from when he said to me, like the first time he heard Elvis, he thought, "What the hell is that?" You know, what is this guy? Because um, he'd never heard a voice like that before. And for me, it's like Steve with Stevie Nicks. When I heard her do Seven Wonders, um, it's like, wow, what a quirky voice. And I instantly attracted to her voice. And so I picked up all, all the other stuff because I wanted to hear all her other stuff and I never realised she was a solo artist either. So I can understand where my dad was coming from. When he's you know when he first heard Elvis, but like you say, you know he went out and bought the album just to hear the other stuff that he was doing, and my dad was hooked, and that was it. And the more you buy, the more you want. Now, as a final question, oh. Mark, what's something in your collection that you're missing that would be like a uh, a holy grail, something that you'd really like to have? Wow, the holy grail. I think a perfect press of Elvis in concert. Well, there's a question for everybody listening to the uh, the podcast today. Uh, what's a holy grail in in your collection? Also, what I asked Mark about, what is it about Elvis that uh, keeps him relevant? If you've got any opinions, we'd love to hear uh, you, what you think of, uh, of things we've talked about on the, on the podcast today. And I'm sure, Mark, in the future you'll be happy to uh, come back and talk with me again. I'd love to, mate. I'd love to. Well, if you want to catch the Elvis Mixer, where do you go, Mark, and how do you get to hear your stuff? Just go onto YouTube, type in in the search, in the search bar, just type in Elvis Mixer channel, and the first icon you'll see is uh, kind of a, an edited version of a Suspicious Minds single cover. So if you go in there, 
that's my stuff and enjoy yourself sign up for a subscription subscribe subscribe and you'll get notification of every time i release a a new mix or a new stereo version or but of course if you you want to if you if you want to hear them on a program you can listen to the 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 poll show uh every saturday at five o'clock marks where work does get a little bit of a a go now and then (laughs) yep (laughs) you got if you're living in england though you got to get up seriously early well, the only good thing about it is that it is available on demand. But anyway, Mark, look, it's been great to talk to you and have you on the podcast, and I'm sure we'll have you on again in the future. Thanks again. Yeah, thank you so much, Grant. It's been an absolute pleasure, mate. Thank you. Thanks for listening to this episode of The Elvis Cast. Subscribe or follow the show on your podcast platform of choice. Just search for Elvis Cast. All the links and contact information can be found on my website, elviscast.com. If you'd like more information about this episode's special guest, check out the show notes in the description. Thanks for listening to the Elvis cast.